1: Engineering your success.
0: But like I said, it's nice to be talking about the actual roster configuration because a year ago at this time, we were talking about sign stealing, managers getting fired, uh, the Mets got looped into something that was not- had nothing to do with them, and the media, of course, used it as an opportunity uh, to go after the team as they had done through much of the final years of Will Wilpon ownership. First of all, let's let's, I guess, recap for folks just waking up to this story. What exactly happened and how swiftly the Mets moved?
2: Yeah, it was a pretty swift reaction on the Mets part Now, this story broke last night from ESPN. Jeff The great reporter there uh, reporting that back in 2016, Jared Porter had had inappropriate exchanges with a female reporter. Uh, The Mets found out about it yesterday. The story ran late last night. And by early this morning, Steve Cohen, as you saw, had tweeted out. The Mets had terminated Jared Porter, uh, Sandy Alderson issuing a statement, the Mets issuing a statement, obviously, uh, his former teams, the Cubs and D-backs, all issuing statements condemning this. Uh, So it was a pretty swift action on the Mets' part, Uh, I would say less than, yeah, certainly less than 12 hours from the time the story broke until Jared Porter's termination. So, uh, you know, not what anyone wants to see in the game and and in what had been such an optimistic, hopeful offseason for the Mets, it's obviously... Something that they didn't want to have to go through right now. But Jared Porter has been terminated, and the Mets will move forward from here with someone else leading the way.
0: Hey, I don't want your money touching my money. What's the matter? It's I don't want your money in the same. I way My money's me. no good no I, more. Why? because 'Cause you're off jinx. That's why. Here, put him in a bench, you might come. It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Wednesday, January the 20th, 2021. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media and you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No, G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. Well... You have to be able to laugh a little bit, and I was thinking as you just heard the short intro coming into this latest edition of the program, which I wasn't planning on coming to you just a couple of days later, and I don't know if you want to call this a short, because we have a lot to get to, which I guess it's about 24 to 36 hours, which I think I saw on Twitter, it was called An Annoying Period. For the Mets, and I think that's the right thing. I don't think it's a disastrous period. It's certainly not a fun period. I certainly think Steve Cohen had his first taste of how it is to be an owner of a professional sports team in this town. But you have to laugh because I thought, as the news was coming down late Monday night, and and to just to put it in perspective, I, I said, ah, oh, let me watch the Knicks because the Knicks had won a, a nice game at the Garden earlier in the day, so I recorded it and I watched the replay of the Knicks, and I was about to, you know, tune into, you know you know, maybe some news, and go to bed. It was almost midnight, and I pop on my iPad to see, yeah, let me see what George Springer is doing, and the Jared Porter news comes down, and then you read the story, and then you see the photos, and then you just go, oh my god, well, what's going on here, and we'll get into that, because God forbid you ask any questions, you know, right away, the media is and jury, and you have to just listen to what they say, and take it at face value before there's any due diligence, and that's really a big thing I want to get into because I cannot believe asking for due diligence is controversial in this day and age. And apparently by me doing that on Twitter, it became controversial. But uh, I said to myself just a day ago, I had said how nice it is to be talking about roster moves. We were trying to figure out the luxury tax, George Springer, Brad Hand, You know what is going on with the uh, scrap heap market. And uh, here it is. You know, I make that statement. You heard that statement coming in. Then I go to the clip with the news about Jared Porter and the texting scandal. And then I use the nice, and I don't know if you guys realized it. I'm sure you did. I mean, all of you have watched, I would hope, A Bronx Tale. I mean, I understand maybe we have some younger fans on this program. But uh, 1995, 1994, maybe that came out. That's not that long ago. And if you were born around that time, I would think at some point, you watch the show, the film, the show. That's a film. This is a show. That's a film. But I thought it was funny. So put me in the bathroom. I'm the jinx. Nobody wants to listen to me make proclamations like, hey, it's nice to be talking baseball because the next thing that's going to happen is an off the field scandal. I don't think you could put money down. And I and I would love to know what the odds would be if there's an expert bookmaker in the audience that in back, not much less back to back years, but. What are the odds that a team in their history has not one but two major employees get hired and not make it to opening day? I bet you you have better odds of Mega Millions or Powerball. I know there was a big Mega Millions drawing, uh, what was it, last night or this tonight? I don't know. I don't play those things. But uh, I wonder if what the odds would be versus that because you could not have scripted or told me after what happened with Beltron last year that this was going to happen again, much less happen in the following year. It's got to be minuscule, minuscule the, the the odds. So anyway, that's going to be a theme. I think everyone's exhausted from that. And, and believe it or not, as abhorrent as everything was with the situation, and I know that there's fallout and more discussion, and I know that the league is certainly going to have to take a look At HR policy because baseball has been so loose and there's so and it's so hard for a league to be tight on HR policy as a company when you have everybody running around in their own little world throughout 30 ballparks and all these different interactions you have. I mean, the biggest thing about HR policy with a company is the more interactions you have, the less structure in those interactions, the more of a risk you run because, you know, you don't know what people are capable of doing. And in the world of Zoom where people are in the comfort of their homes now, I mean, you've seen that was that one reporter, well-known reporter that uh, did a lewd act on Zoom. So uh, what I do think is going to happen as a result of everything is there is going to be an extreme clampdown of media interaction with players and and people uh, of different organizations. There will be. I mean, before I get into the Porter situation and, and, and the controversy, which is asking questions about the report before acting, because I think that that's still a right and that's still something that we should do regardless of the evidence, but I think already with the pandemic and with Zoom becoming part of the culture of sports reporting, I don't think you're going to see and I've ta- I I know somebody... And he's been on the show, Joe Casal, former agent, a guy who who knows the business of sports very well. I don't think you're going to see media back in the locker room for a long time, maybe ever. And the only people that may be getting some locker room access might be MLB.com employees. I think you're now perpetually going to have the eye in the sky in the press box with Zoom and watching games. And... If I'm a player and somebody contacts me directly and somehow gives my cell phone, I don't know if I would give my cell phone unless I really, really trust that individual. Because now, I mean, who's to say on a cell phone all of a sudden by accident you text something to the wrong person? It happens. You really have to be careful. And unfortunately, because of people that do bad things like Jared Porter and others... If you're interacting with someone from the opposite sex, you have to be that much more careful, especially if you have a family. You should always be careful and respectful. And that and that's not because of anything more Is you just never know how people take things in a world of text, and a world of email, all these things. Now, that's not what happened here. But these are things that are going to come down. And they're going to hurt the fan, the product, the experience. It's going to give you more sanitized coverage. A good thing, I think, of everything, of cleaning up the interactions that maybe we'll focus more on the game because I think over the last 15 years with social media the game has become less of the attraction and the free agency the finance, the stats the the uh, WWE nature more so in the NBA of, of people and personalities uh, has become more of the story and I'm about the game and maybe I'm the old school guy and maybe I'm not the guy that grows a sport, but I still think that's there. Now, here's the deal. I I don't have to go through the details on this, what is a family program. You, know, you guys could go to the ESPN story. Jeff Passan, who's been on this show, did a great job breaking this thing down. And what I said earlier in the offseason that the Mets were trying to turn the page and and take on something really historic, and maybe I didn't make a big deal about it. I kind of threw it in one show, but when you're trying to build a team that, to compete in 2021, that has somewhat of a clock because they have some older players like Degrom, guys heading to free agency. You don't know. You never know what tomorrow brings. You're doing that. You have a new owner come in that's trying to change the culture. You're trying to build a front office. You're trying to build an analytics department. You're trying to rebuild the farm system. That is a ton to take on. I don't think anybody would want to voluntarily do that. If if that was if that choice was put in front of them, they would they would want to say, "Hey, I got to do one or the other. I got to rebuild the organization, or I got to compete and win. I can't do both." But that's not the mandate. The Mets want to win. The Mets want to get in there and. And leverage the excitement that's going to potentially lead to more fans into a, a a brand that's that's better and different with the new owner, and that's what Sandy Alderson took on. And if he didn't know how historic and how difficult what he's doing is, well, he knows now because this is his show. And that's the first thing I would say. Nothing is going to change, I believe, for the Mets in the short term. Because I think Sandy's been running the thing, and he basically told reporters that on the phone. Porter came in a month ago. You think the reins and the keys were p- completely given to him? You think Sandy that day that he was hired I said, eh, that's it, everything's yours, let me go. I'm going to stay down in Florida, call me if you need anything. I'm going to go focus on, you know, some kind of, you know, marketing plan for 2021. Uh, of course not. And I talked to people in the media yesterday, I reached out to, uh, I talked to a former players yesterday, I talked to the media... Uh, you know, I talked to a scout. I was really trying to get everybody's thoughts on things. And um, when I spoke to a friend in, in media, he said, you know, when he's talking to other teams about maybe what's going on, Sandy's the name they mention as being who who they spoke to. So he's still involved. Where it'll hurt the team in terms of the front office is long-term building who the guy is going to be, who the, what the front office structure is going to be. I mean, Sandy's not someone who's going to be here forever. And I still think because I feel he's antiquated in terms of a kind of executive you're dealing with from a baseball standpoint and knowing the game and the things that why they brought Porter in because he knew a lot of people. He had experience in dealing with undervalued assets, growing up in the Red Sox organization, all those things that made him attractive after I looked at his resume, heard him on the Fine podcast. All those things were, were qualities that they needed and were going to help them both in the short and long term. Those are gone. Now, can Zach Scott make up some of that? Zach Scott's a numbers guy, and it sounds like he he really impressed the Mets in, in the interview. None of us were in the interview, so we don't know. There is reports that the, uh, the Mets feel maybe he's not the front guy because of his personality. And let's be frank, being in front of the media and having a personality and being able to manage the messaging to the New York audience is very important. That doesn't fall into you know some kind of analytics formula. So he could be the best guy, and he could be the best guy to build a roster. You need somebody that's going to be able to be polished with the media and and present some kind of case. They're a stakeholder. The fans are a stakeholder. They shouldn't be the most important thing, but they're important enough because they're going to drive the message. More so now than ever. And if Zach Scott, there's some questions on that, well, maybe he develops into that. For me, the guy that the reason that that, that he's a not a front guy is because I want someone with obviously those people skills, but also somebody that has more of a player development scouting background, not straight analytics. I think analytics and growing a team that way is way too one-dimensional and eventually will bite that team in the rear end. That's that's basically my point, and I could be wrong, and maybe Zach Scott will be that guy, but there is no rush. And I even sa- I said this before they hired these two guys. There was no rush in the short term to hire somebody. This was Sandy's show. The minute that Steve Cohen hired him, he made it Sandy. Sandy's the guy that's going to be his first foray into sports ownership, and he's going to be his initial error, and he's going to have to live or die with it. And if it's the wrong decision, there's nothing they could do about that now. But again, think about how historic this is. He He takes over the team November 1st. Alderson comes with Cohen. They have to rebuild the front office, rebuild the analytics department, rebuild the minor league system, and oh, by the way, Sandy, we want to compete and win next year. And free agency is in about five minutes. You think that's easy? Well, it showed you it's not. And now, here's the other part. You get thrown into controversies and people and free agent markets that change, as you saw with George Springer. And you got to deal with all that. So, the good news is the Mets are positioned with an experienced, longtime exec in Sandy Alderson that has the respect of the media, that knows how to work his way through the MLB process. He may not be a player development guy anymore. He may not be the best eye for talent, but he still has a cabinet. Uh, I saw a breakdown of who's in his cabinet. He's got analytics guys, a ton of them. He's got scouts. Tommy Tanoy is in there, and he's been with the team a long time. Uh, he's got his son who's a scout. I'm sure if you can't trust your family at this point when you're trying to do something, who the hell are you going to trust? And of course, Zach Scott, who numbers are not, has been around the game a while and has been with an organization like the Red Sox who, let's face it, knows a thing or two of how to build a winning team. They did it quite a few times while Scott was a member of that front office. So that's the good news, the bad news. Like I said... You saw a Joey Lucchese deal, a nice value-driven deal that the Mets were able to jump in and get involved in a three-team trade. That's the kind of thing that Porter brought. You lose that. But let's get to the actual situation with Porter and not so much what happened in terms of the result because... And I want to clarify because I think people are taking a tweet that I put out there very, very much the wrong way. When you read the ESPN article... You look at it and and I remember showing it to my wife and I said, This is you can't come back from this. And and as someone my wife was like, you know, what's this guy doing? I mean, those photos. This guy, you have to realize this guy it's not about work anymore. He's screwed as a as well, it's about work. He's not gonna get a job in baseball, I don't think, for a long time. He's probably gonna get suspended just like uh Taubman did. I don't know, for life, but maybe. Uh Or for a very long time. But even if he comes back, he's going to be buried in some front office somewhere. And he's probably going to have a hard time, if he has skills to get a real job somewhere in the real world, which I don't know what skills he would bring because nobody cares about a scouting report in corporate America who's not in baseball. Uh, He's going to have a hard time getting a job because that's out there for the rest of his life. For the rest of his life, he's 40-what? 41? He can live to 100. That's out there. It's not going away. You can't scrub that. There's no program that could scrub that. And what you really see out of this is, yeah, you see the whole thing with how hard it is for uh, those covering teams of the opposite sex to uh, gain respect. Um, You know, everybody has trouble gaining respect. Outsiders who don't come from this industry. You think a guy like me who has no media experience, you think I've been welcomed with open arms— now, I haven't been harassed, but everybody has their pain point. Never never say someone's pain point is worse than another because everybody's got their pain point. Some have worse experience than others, but everybody has their pain points going into an industry. Let's remember that. But um, what's sad about this is you see a guy that uh, five years ago was 36 years old-ish, and the behavior was like that of someone who was in high school. There's some stunted development here, which may be part and parcel to being in a, in a game that's a child's game, um, that it's becoming more corporate. Maybe that's part of it, that as you, he went in, in a different era, because he's been in the game, what, 15, 16, 17 years, whatever, the game has gone from adults playing a children's game, building a children's environment in a front office, to maybe more corporate and certainly more covered. So there's no excusing what he did. I never excused what he did. What I said at that point is this. We've gotten one side of the story pretty bad. And nobody in the Mets at that point when I read it, as you get into the early, I mean, this thing moved fast. This was like late yesterday into the morning as you woke up out of bed and you started reading about it. The guy was fired by about seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning. So a tweet at 6.30, 6.45 goes stale, you know, in seconds. A show would have went even more stale. That's why I didn't do anything till this morning. But he was entitled to, the minute that came out, some sort of due diligence by the Mets where it can't be, well, he's gone, he's fired, there's no way of coming back from this. That was a high percentage chance that was going to be the case. But, and it, this is what the Mets did, exactly what I asked. Instead of firing him immediately because the media put something out there. Because last I look, they don't run this, they, well, they're trying to run the country, and maybe they do, but they shouldn't be running anything. They should just be putting stories out there. They needed to do due diligence with the owner. Is This is a valued employee. Clearly, they did their background. Okay, get to that in a minute. And they should at least walk through scenarios of what if we kept them? That's due diligence. That's good management. Even if it's .00001 chance of that happening, you have to do that as a good manager. And a guy like Sandy Alderson, who is a logistics process guy, Who's a I'm sure is a decision tree guy. That's what he did. He didn't just you called Porter. He got his side, which sounds like was not exactly a lie, but wasn't as transparent as he liked. Read the story. I'm sure they called Passon. I'm sure they called around baseball. I'm sure they tried to fact you know fact check. You know we saw a text message that in that situation was one sided. We have no idea in that story when you first read it if there was any consensual relationship because to be honest that's not it's it's not proper what he did and it's embarrassing to me he means he should be ashamed of himself as a person what he did i mean that's just i mean he's not gonna gonna be able to get a date I talk about a job he's not gonna be able to get a date that's out there for the rest of his life like he should have thought about that like what are you doing how does he you know he looks he went even if he didn't get fired he went from looking professional and polished as an executive to a child in a matter of seconds, even though it was five years ago. But you have to do that due diligence. That's that's a good management. And to tell me and to go back at me and say, you know, this is horrible. Well, first of all, most of the people that do that never have managed anything, not even their sock drawer. I actually have. Okay? And you gotta make swift decisions, the Mets did. I saw a blue check mark warrior. Those those guys still around. I thought they went away. Uh, as the Twitter purge, but they're still around. And, well, the Mets waited nine hours. Well, you know what? You're dealing with people's lives here. And we're a very mean and cruel society. I have to tell you, I see it more and more. And younger people are very mean. They're very much ready to throw people off the island for what they view as any destruction. You can never evolve in the world of social media anymore. Metz did exactly what I suggested. I didn't want this to be because I will tell you, I'll go back a year ago, and I'm not saying sign stealing and exposing yourself to a reporter are the same thing. They're violations of a code of conduct. Neither are going to put you in jail. He didn't touch the woman, from what we know right now. Who knows if more comes out? You saw a year ago. Organizations react at a media pressure. It's clear. If A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora did was so bad to the game of baseball, Alex Cora wouldn't be back managing the Red Sox. A.J. Hinch wouldn't be back in baseball. The only one that hasn't come back, and maybe it's his choice, we don't know, is Beltran because for whatever reason the media says he's the one that's really got to be punished. And the Mets got looped into that. That, to me, is bad management. What I wanted to see and what I wanted the Mets to do last year, which I don't know if they, I guess they did, but I don't know because they felt they couldn't keep them is make a decision based on what they believe the next step should be not what the media believe not because Ken Rosenthal or Joe Sherman or Jeff Passant says that and that was all I wanted the Mets to do in this situation and by all accounts they did you know sounds like a player was upset and by the way woman's in finance now are we going to assume that this was the only reason why she's out of journalism Have any of you guys seen the salaries in journalism and the career paths and the lack of a future that a young person of any sex, of any persuasion, of any background has to go through? It's not a good career. It's not a safe career. Let me tell you something. You want to go, hey, mom and dad, pluck down $50,000 a year at Syracuse University for me. No, sure, son. Sure, daughter. And I'm going to major in this. and, And guess what? I'm going to probably not have job security for the rest of my life and be unemployed and be living in your basement. So before we say Jared Porter did that, let's remember there's a lot more to getting out of journalism than meets the eye. Now I don't see why it's improper. And I even had a text conversation with somebody I respect in the business who disagreed with me. I don't see why it's improper to question why this story was sat on for five years, why they waited 37 days into this guy's tenure um, I hear, well, they were going on the victim's timeline. Very convenient that the victim's timeline happened um, in the midst of them going after George Springer when the Mets have been a hot topic in the news every day and have one of the richest owners in the game. Very convenient. And I saw the the rationale where she doesn't want him to be in, in you know, he's in a position of power, doesn't want it to happen again, and, and, and I had that conversation. I had that conversation with a woman, too. And I get it. I get it makes total sense, but he was in a position of power with Arizona as well as an assistant GM. And last I look, assistant GMs are a hair away, and they make decisions, and they're in groups, and they have influence in the organization. When you report to the big guy, uh, you're going to be able to muscle things around. So he was no less of a threat for the last five years than he was today. Now, he's at the Mets now, and he's in New York and he's probably going to be looked at in a positive light, and he was getting a lot of positive attention. So I have to say for the media that likes to tout how moral they are and how they're always on the right side of history, even though they're never really on the right side of anything, but they claim they're on the right side of history, well, some are on the right side, but a lot of them aren't. They like to run to the left and drag everybody to the left and then say, oh, no, you really should have been here. And then they run to the right. They're the first one, and and then they're on the right, and then they're in the the center, and then they're on the roof. I've seen that. They like the guy. They like the person that goes go 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 and gets everybody riled up, and then everybody runs. And then when you're over on that side beating the Jesus out of somebody, they're standing. Oh no no no, that's wrong. This is where you need to be, because when you do that, it, it's good for their business. So they're not moral. They had no. They and this woman, they have no concern about what really happened. She was a story. and She was a good story for ESPN. And, and, I, and, and look, Passan's doing his job. I get it. I'm not criticizing it. I'm just pointing out, don't give me ESPN didn't play this whole thing. Don't give me that ESPN is worried about sexual harassment in the workplace. Okay? They really were. Read a book about ESPN and it's up and how it came up. ESPN is the le- ESPN has its own skeletons in the closet, believe me. Believe me. Maybe it's a different place than it used to be, but you think ESPN has been a, a kind place to women to to work there over the years? That's not me speculating. Go read a book about them. I mean, you know, hopefully things are better. And I'll tell you what, if I'm an executive right now of any importance, Go back to what I said in the beginning. First of all, smarten up and watch who you talk to. Second of all, start to think about what's important. You know, you get drunk one night or, you know, you think it's fun and you want to relive your college years in the frat house. You have now in a span of a little over 12 months, two guys, Taubman in Houston and now Porter, throwing away careers in, in, in an industry where to get up the line, especially how Porter came in and the work he put in, to throw it away and not not only not be able to work in that game anymore, but have, from what I at least see, probably not a lot of skills to go outside and get a job of any decent pay and and throw it all away for what I just don't know where the endgame was going. I, I It's amazing to me. But if I'm an executive, you better get out there and you better clean out any skeleton you got because media's coming for you. They're going to go back. If they could go back to high school, they're coming for you. And they are not interested in you evolving as a person and learning and maturing. Because if any of you in the audience thinks that you're today as erudite and mature as you were five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and you could prove that to me, I got to tell you. Your, your, your self-awareness needs to be checked because you're not. And nobody's perfect. Man or woman is perfect. They've all, we've all done things. And we're cruel. And we like to punish people. And And the thing that amazes me about this, there are people taking joy in this. And you want know, to know something? For those who are coming out with stories about what happened to them, good for you because some of the stories are bad. Why don't you go do something about it now? So instead of waiting for the opportunistic time to expose someone when they're at their career high fix it now because guess what if you really believe that things need to change it doesn't matter when the story or the news cycle is you do it now that's it and that was my point my point number one was can we at least go through a process of management decision Mets did that check mark got no issue you want to take a a 6.55am tweet from yesterday and extrapolate it 24 hours later Eh, that's on you I, I can't help myself. I'm not deleting anything. I stand by what I write. But if you really believe that there's a problem, man or woman, don't wait for that person to get a bigger position. Don't wait till their team is in the World Series. Do it now. Go to your boss. Baseball's going to listen. Any sport's going to listen. doesn't matter who's in the front office. There's not a front office executive... Right now, that is going to be foolish enough to dismiss things. Now, are they going to do research? Are they going to go back and look at the relationship? I don't understand why anybody in this game would have a relationship with people. I know that why they would. Why would you have a relationship with people you work with, knowing that it's going to go bad? A high percent of chance it's going to go bad, and it's not. It's going to destroy your career, where you're never going to work again. Just boggles my mind the decision making. Bottom line is the Mets did the right thing. I never said they didn't. And it hurts them in the short term. It doesn't kill them in the long term. It opens up possibilities where now, next offseason, they have an idea of where this front office needs to go. and Maybe they got a, a championship under their uh, resume. It be How crazy would that be? Stranger things have been done. But you know what? You're, you cannot take away the questioning. And at least bringing up the questions we have about the time frame, about why now, and about, hey, you know, we didn't know if there was a relationship. Now we know. It just amazes me that it's like, oh, media said it. I don't like it. And it's time to tar and feather someone and take pleasure in it. Very sad times. And there's a generation of people, maybe I'm being unfair here, that take a lot of pleasure in painting other people, especially if it's people they don't agree with or of a different background of theirs it's just amazing to me it's it's it to me it's it's sad and I never thought like that growing up and I think one thing I've learned being in sports and throughout that people can evolve they make mistakes and uh, some mistakes are more egregious than others and some mistakes you can't come back from but uh let me tell you something what Jared Porter did was bad he deserved to be fired and the Mets are trying to build a culture but is it the worst thing I've ever heard of in sports or seen in sports from an athlete or front office executive Not even close. It was treated as such, but not even close. Well, it wasn't a banner day in rebuilding the roster. Mets lost out on George Springer. Where do they go next? We'll talk about that and more right after this. And enjoy the rest of the show. All right, we're back. You know, if you go back to Sunday's show, uh, the George, can the metaphor George Springer was the theme? A lot of the things that have happened from a player transaction standpoint over the last 48 hours really solidifies that I was on the right path with my thinking with both Springer and with starting pitching market first with Springer Springer got a nice deal. He went to Toronto. He basically showed you the question I had was, does he really want to go to Toronto? Does he want to pay the taxes? Is the value of the deal enticing enough for him not to go back to the Mets and say, you know what? Um, whatever the Mets offer is, which we don't know. Mets will probably eventually things will come out. I don't think they'll have a press conference about it because Sandy Alderson had his press conference about the Porter situation yesterday. Um, you know, there was really $115 million of Mets money, if that's the offer that has been bandied about, versus getting the sixth year, getting to 150 whatever else, million. We don't know the structure of the contract. But just on the surface, it looks like that $25 million AAV is right where he deserves to be. Uh, I mean, that's kind of where we saw him going. He probably wanted more. He probably was trying to push for 30 But I talked about the way to look at Springer, here is he's your head, your bet in a way for Conforto because, and I have to give them the right plug. There's a a, a a site called, and I'm gonna bring it up. So forgive me because I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, Metsfix at Metsfix on Twitter. It's uh, a site where you could sign up for a newsletter every morning, and they do really, really. Jeffrey Balone, who I've had some off off-Twitter conversations with, you know, just basically going back and forth, just learning a little bit about what he's trying to do, Um, Jeffrey Ballone runs it, and they did a great job breaking down the luxury tax. Really professional, well-done newsletter. I have to say, even Adam Rubin said that on Twitter, that it reminded him of the morning uh, when he used to do his morning wrap-up. Morning, you know, when they, it was every morning, Adam would put something together. But really well done, good graphics, professionally put together. Uh, and he and he broke down the the challenges of the Mets going into next year with Cano coming back. Where if you sign Conforto and Lindor to big extensions, which they're going to get if they don't get them from the Mets, uh, you're looking at maybe Stroman being gone, Cindergard being gone, so on and so forth, or being very difficult to afford. So you put Springer in there. And you pretty much, it's a fait accompli that you're going to you're gonna have some trouble if you don't go above the luxury tax. So the Mets had to look at this and say, how deep do I want to go? Do I think I could sign Conforto? Do I want to take the chance of going into the, the ring with Boris? And the answer was, yeah, we'll do it. Steve Cohen, unlike the prior ownership, is not afraid of going into the deep end of the pool. That's why I said there's no reason to rush Lindor. Let's see what you got. Uh, I know that everybody wants Conforto signed tomorrow. Boris is not putting Conforto in a Mets uniform until he vets that market out and sees what's going on and sees what kind of year Conforto has because you're you're signing him based on a 60-game season and you're signing him based on what you think you're going to do, and there's definitely going to be a discount on there. Now, if Conforto wants to stay with the Mets and wants to take, similar to DeGrom, do what what DeGrom did, take a deal that's team-friendly and potentially may leave some money on the table depending on how things shake out. That's his prerogative. That's his right. I'm not going to criticize him, but that doesn't seem to me. To me, that's not necessarily what what someone who has Scott Boris as their agent is going to do, nor do I think Boris would advise that, especially where we need to see the economic situation of baseball develop when fans at some point, hopefully in the next 12 months, come back into the ballpark and create revenue that's not there now. So we talked about that, and I said, you know, the real thing here is you may need to sign George Springer because he's going to be your replacement for Conforto. He's your head, your bet, because your offense could be a problem. But the Mets looked at it where they want to take a more flexible approach, and that's okay. And it's starting already. I told you that the the media was waiting to make their, their, their run. You have John Harper, the same guy that wanted – Brandon Drury – who um, is on a non-roster invitee with the Mets, was the guy that they all would praise, were trying to get the Yankees to give to the Mets for DeGrom. So remember when I said earlier about the media, and run to the left, run to the right, run to the roof, run... That's what you're dealing with. So before you get crazy about what they think and and putting what they think on paper as gospel, remember Brandon Drury for uh, Jacob DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard, one of those guys. Just think about that. Uh, you know, he it, pointed out that Lindor took Cano's money, and Ramos and McCann are the same. And you spent some money on Trevor Williams. Uh Trevor Williams, that was the guy they were looking at. Trevor May, and uh, you know, really, it looked at. He's basically saying the Mets didn't spend an awful lot. Well, the Mets have the third highest payroll in baseball right now, and they're twenty-seven to thirty million dollars, depending on how you look at it. If you like, the, if you if you go by the guys at Mets Fix – and, and sign up for that newsletter, and I'm not getting paid to promote them. So just letting you know, I'm doing that as a service. I have no investment in this company at all. His company is his company. It's Jeffrey Ballone's company. Uh, you know, <laughs> if you have $30 million before the luxury tax, you got some room, but $25 million sucks up most of it. And then maybe Brad Hand goes bye-bye, and maybe more starting pitching depth goes bye-bye, and maybe more backup depth goes bye-bye. And then guess what? what they're going to do throughout the summer when the mets are trying to find four a guys to plug in because they're you know they couldn't, couldn't really they couldn't really plug anything in when they they gave all the money to springer they're just going to criticize them throughout the summer so you don't win that's why you don't run your team based on what the media says or a media report you do what you think is best and the mets are going to do what they think is best now i said to you if springer goes up to toronto and hits the but Jesus out of the ball, and it's May fifteenth, and he's hitting four hundred, and Lindor's struggling, or the Mets, for whatever reason, whoever they bring in, Brad Han, another you know starting pitcher, Albert Amora, Jackie Bradley Jr. is is not performing. You're gonna see the columns. Well, it think's really different with the Mets. They could have just went the little extra, but Steve Cohen didn't want to do that. It's all written. Stories all written just a matter of which which one you hit send on. There's no thought. That's why when this, this show gets criticized for me being, what people say, a contrarian, it's not that I'm always trying to be a contrarian. It's not just a brand. What I'm trying to do is say, let's think this out. I'm not defending the organization. Personally, I was leaning towards, and I said this on Sunday, I think Conforto's not a sure bet to resign regardless. You don't know what's going to happen with Lindor. When you have a chance to pounce and really put together an elite offense, you do it. I think the sixth year to me, and I spoke to a scout yesterday who said, the guy's going to be a corner guy in two or three years. What is he going to look like in six or seven? And I said, yeah, that's that's true. That's that's a good point. And now you have yourself an expensive hood ornament, which is essentially what you're going to have with Robinson Cano in a year. Because you know, you think his range is going to get any better? Sit on the couch, even if he plays winter ball for 12 months while he's suspended? It's not, and and you, you already have a DH. And by the way, I, I have a hard time believing that the decision about a DH is a big part of the Mets not going for Springer, and I do not think Jared Porter had anything to do with it. If you think the Mets couldn't put a press conference together at 4 p.m. and deal with a decision that, after you really looked at everything, was pretty black and white, cut and dry, with Steve Cohen at 7.30 in the morning and engage with Springer's agent. And if you don't think Springer's agent called him and said, hey, things with Toronto are heating up. Are you going to get it to the deep end of the pool here in this or not? Come on, guys. Professionals multitask. This is not high school, okay? Please. Enough is enough. Some of the things I read sometimes shows me the lack of understanding about the real world. People who think they know everything. And I'm not just, I'm not talking fans. I'm talking members of the media. I look like, have you ever done anything outside of write a story in your life? Be you balance a checkbook? A like really immature, childish stuff. And then they look at me and say, oh, well, you know, who are you? It just amazes me. So, so where did the Mets go? That's the next real question. Like what they did with Joey Lucchese, there's a guy, controllable, lefty, could swing one way or the other in terms of the pen versus the rotation and um you know maybe he's not a third time around the order guy but he certainly can get lefties and righties out based on the metrics got, and remember he's got that funky left-handed delivery so now you got yourself another option of depth i know they're talking to trevor williams there's talk of them do they pivot to jackie bradley junior uh you know, Jake Marisnik type play. It's funny now. Everybody's like, I hear people say, well, you know, you could do Jackie Bradley Jr. Jack, Jake Marisnik. We talked about that on that show a while back, a month ago. I don't see, based on the Springer decision, and we haven't heard a lot about Trevor Bauer. Now, you remember when this offseason started, So said the Mets needed to get two out of three of Real Muto, Bauer, Springer. They're going to probably go 0 for 3. But I wasn't anticipating Lindor. I do think Brad Hand and the Mets, and I saw Brad Hand switched agents, and I think something either really bad happened. My guess is Brad Hand's not getting reality from his... his, Brad Hand is getting reality from his old agent, and he didn't like it. And some other agent used it as an opportunity to swoop in and said, I could get you that third year. Well, I think he's going to be disappointed because I don't think an agent means anything. Unless they have a relationship with a team and they could, you know, owe a favor or something. That'll be interesting. But... I think the Mets and Brad Hand eventually will figure things out. I think Brad Hand is trying to get as much money as possible. Will the Mets go to that threshold? We'll see. There is, think about what Sandy Alderson said, even though you're a big market team, restraint. So I can see the Mets going value-driven the rest of the offseason. If you told me they go Jackie Bradley Jr., Jake Marisnyk, uh, and those markets are depressed enough where you get one-year deals, I can live with those guys defensive and center. They're basically a, a Juan Lagares that could hit a lot. A, a lot better than Juan lagar Still below league average and probably or league average. You move nimble, nimble to left. You've got enough offense around you. You head your bet where if you don't have the DH, you don't have to worry about putting a good player on the bench. And I would definitely look to beef up and go as deep as I can in that bullpen. Now I'd focus on bullpen. I'd focus on defense, and I would try to see if there's any way I could sneak in a starting pitcher on a value deal. Now you saw what I said about Corey Kluber and the 11 million bucks. Now Lester signs for 5 million with the Nats. That's a pretty good deal. I'm surprised that Kluber got more than, than Lester. I mean, really the Yankees really overpaid for Kluber. I'm sorry. I just don't get it, but there's a lot of things in this world. The last few, few months to a year, I don't get not just baseball. Um. So, so you see that the Mets are looking at edible Sanchez and Julio Teheran. Uh, guys like that, I, I think if you're looking at guys like Lester getting five million, maybe there's an opportunity for the Mets to sneak in on a Taiwan Walker. Uh, but the Blue Jays seem to. I mean, right now I think Toronto, especially with Hand and 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 Taiwan Walker, and it looks like even with Springer being signed, they have some money and they're getting aggressive. They see an opportunity with the Yankees in an activity. The Rays taking a step back. Good for them. About time teams try, try to win. It's good for the sport. So even with the fact that they'll probably be playing in spring training sites or mediocre minor league ballparks for the better part of the year. Uh, so it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting because it's really like it looks like the Mets are going after some guys that the Blue Jays are. So maybe those markets are going to get a little more expensive. But I was amazed to see that Lester situation. If you told me out of the names that I see right now, I gave you the Marisnik, jackie Bradley Jr. option in center. I think Julio Tejeron is a very interesting name. They were at the workout yesterday, the Mets. Here's a guy that, for bad Braves teams, always seemed to, and the Mets always seemed to hit him well, so maybe we saw, as as Mets fans and those who covered the team, we saw him at his worst, but he always had decent numbers and kept them in the ballgame, even when they were bad. And he, was, he came up when he was 20 years old, so he's been through a lot, and he's still very young. If he's healthy, I don't see why you wouldn't dive into that that market. Animal Sanchez, that's, he's, he's had, he had good years in Washington and he helped them. But, uh, you know, he's had more below league average bad years in the last five, six, seven years than good. So, to me, he's more like um that veteran that you would, you would sign on a, on a non-roster, uh, a guy that potentially would be more likely in Syracuse than not. And I don't know if that If Sanchez does that, see, that's really the question. The veterans that are out there, are they, are they really interested in um, spending time in in the minor leagues? Because when you sign these non-roster deals, you're talking to the GM and you're saying, hey, what's the odds of me making the team? Even though you have to make the team and there's no guarantees and there's opt-outs for both, you have a feeling of what are the odds of you navigating spring training. I've talked to players that have signed these deals. They're not that they're not going in blind. They're not going in saying I have no shot at making the team. They they know, and they look at the roster the agent if they're doing their job. The agent they're looking at the roster say, well, I could do this, I could do that. You know, they know. So if you want to talk about big signings, I think the only big signing I could see the Mets do is Brad Hand. I think that would probably go into their focus, and I think everybody else falls into value driven. They only have a few spots left, but I like the Luke signing. And I think he can be an interesting piece out of the bullpen or in the rotation. To me, he's every bit of what uh, a Matz can give you or a Peterson can give you. So now you have an extra option. It gives you more comfort in putting Lugo in the bullpen where we see that going. And depending on whether they can get into the Brad Hand sweepstakes, and we'll get into the Mets bullpen another time because I think we really should dive into it, Mets bullpen shaping up pretty good. You have enough offense. You have a top-five offense. With or without Springer, you have it. The defense is improved. The bullpen is better with May. And they will get another arm. I do believe that. They're not going to not sign anybody the rest of the offseason. And now they focus on depth and defense, and away you go. And forget about extensions for Conforto Lindor. Play the 2021 season. Because unless those guys are willing to give you a discount, they're not signing an extension before April 1st, and neither one is going to do that. But I also said the Mets weren't going to make a trade, and they did, so what the hell do I know? So that's really where you're at don't fall into the trap with the whole Springer, the Mets narrative, the Mets aren't spending. It's going to be painted that the Mets blow. There's two things that are going to come out over the next 24 to 48-hour news cycle. They're going to try to figure out the Springer contract and why the Mets couldn't match it, even though there were plenty of people that warned that it could have negative impacts on Lindor and, and, and Conforto. They're going to find reasons why the Mets aren't as good now because they don't have Springer. And they're going to find reasons to say it's because Jared Porter scandal. Just book it. It's all hogwash. Mets made a business decision and set you up for that, where they would get involved if the price was right and the price did not fall to the level they were comfortable with. And I'm okay with that. Even though I said at the beginning of the offseason it would be a disappointment. And We talked about this on this show. How would the fans handle if they didn't sign any of the big guys? Now, Lindor gives you a different cushion, but we're almost at the point where that's going to happen. And you are seeing exactly what I told you was going to happen. The Steve Cohen honeymoon is over. The fan honeymoon is turning. And they will start to put questions in your head that it's same old Mets, just with a different face in the owner's box. It's not the case. You can't talk out of both sides of the mouth. You can't talk about Sandy being this very measured, smart executive and then criticize him when he makes a, or with his team, makes a decision that falls into that category. So... All right, let's take a quick break, wrap up. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. Mets fans love David Wright. Anthony DeComo, author of the book The Captain, David Wright's memoir, joined the Talkie Mets podcast and answered my question about his thoughts on the legacy of the former Mets captain.
2: Well, I think he's also a player that you can't judge solely on what he did on the field because he meant so much to the franchise. He... Uh, Both from leadership capacity, he was obviously named the fourth captain in franchise history. um, But just the way that he represented the team, continues to represent the team. You know, he meant more than just your typical, not not that there's ever a typical seven-time All-Star, but he meant more than your typical seven-time All-Star. So, yes, I think there is certainly disappointment that he couldn't replicate those Hall of Fame caliber years Into his 30s and be that guy and ultimately make it to Cooperstown uh, because he was that good at the peak of his prime. Uh, But I think when you look back at his career on balance, still the best position player in Mets history. Um, You know, one of the better players that we've seen here in New York in a long, long time. And you take the fact that he was that Hall of Fame caliber player at least for a while. You package it together for everything that I just said in terms of what he did for the franchise, what he did to legitimize. I mean, he made this a Mets town for a while there in the the mid-2000s, and that takes some doing. So package it all together, package it with the leadership, the fact that he was the captain, the fact that when you think New York Mets, even today, a couple years after he played his final game, you still think David Wright, he's still one of the more prominent names that pops immediately into your head. Uh, You know, I, I think you can't really put... A measure on that in terms of its impactfulness. So, yeah, it it was a successful career by any stretch. I think it's fair to say.
0: Listen to this and more at www.talkingmetspodcast.com. All right, we're back. Final thoughts, and uh, like I said, there was a, a couple of things I want you guys to check out. Uh, first thing I want you to check out is Mets Fix on Twitter. So Mets Fix, the weekly, no daily, not weekly, daily newsletter. Jeffrey Pallone, good stuff. Mets Rewind, now John Struble does Mets Rewind, and he has had some really good podcasts with Joe McElveen, Heath Bell was an interesting podcast. You get some insight into Rick Peterson and Willie Randolph, Jeff Ennis, on and on. Check out that podcast, Mets Rewind. John Struble. John has been, when this was like an NYBD podcast back over a decade ago, we did a, a show about the, that classic 1985 game, the 19 inning game, uh, where we're at camp and everything. So he knows Mets history, does great work. So I, I want to start to share with you as we wrap up in these final segments, just some uh, things that as Mets fans, you should, if you're not, You should be checking out Mets Rewind is one of them. Mets Fix, sign up for that daily newsletter. Very impressed of how they broke down the luxury tax. I think you'll learn a lot, and it's a good complement to what we're trying to do here and and the kind of conversation we're trying to have here. Uh, Some new listeners to the show want to thank at Mets Closer on Twitter, LFGM, at Mets Closer on Twitter. Just subscribe to your podcast today. Wish I would have discovered you sooner. Great podcast. Spread the word. Spread the word. There's no canceling of the Talking Mets podcast because we actually dived and were serious and looked into a, a, an issue. You know, we could still do that without being insensitive, you know. So, good to hear that some people still are on board with that. Uh, some really nice reviews and things I wanted to share. M. Miller 13, great Mets program. Mike is fantastic. He brings a great perspective to what is happening with the Mets. He has a great mis- mix of guests and information shows that are always relevant to what is happening with Mets and baseball. As a Mets fan not living in New York, he really gives great content. Love the podcast. Thank you, M. Miller. Uh, D. F. K. E. L. S. M. Great listen. Oh no, that's I already did that one. That one I already read last time, so I'll you know, I'll put that away. Great perspective and very honest. Sea Dog Twenty Twelve. Mike, you're a great listener. I can't say I agree with everything, but I enjoy the variety of Mets topics that you cover. I truly enjoy your perspective of the team, the business of the game, and where the players' heads might be at. You are very professional, and you're great to listen to on a weekly basis. Thank you. Well, thank you, C-Dog 2012. And like I said, there's plenty of people that won't disagree with things, but I, I hope you see and understand as you listen to this that I try to do this with the utmost competence. Maybe you don't like my thought process. Maybe you don't like the way I think about things, but... I think I'm respectful with it. I'm trying to be as as down the middle to all sides as possible. I definitely have some biases. That's everybody has biases. But I hope you see that. So I want to thank some some good feedback, new listeners listeners to the show. Mike Silva at talking no G uh is the email address and you can send me good, bad, and different. As long as it's fair. I'll get back to all you guys as much as quickly as I can. As long as it's fair. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. So we do that. So what's next? Um, Look, you know, want to get into the Hall of Fame. Springer's off the board. Not sure if there's going to be any big splashes the rest of the week, but we'll definitely continue to talk about the team. Uh, We're going to be back on Sunday. The plan is to talk about the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame vote, get into that. Hopefully no more off-the-field nonsense and more revelations about the Mets. Two in two years, (laughs) that's enough. That's enough for a lifetime. So we'll see that. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Of course, you could check out the show all the time at the com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, like I said, good, bad, or indifferent, Mike Silva at com. No, G, Mike Silva at com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back with another podcast on Sunday. Till then, take care, everybody.